Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Live with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Live with Dr. Wendy. And we have some very important news to bring to you tonight. Uh, And I am joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Larry Dersham. And we both are in the legal community here in San Diego, but it is not just the national legal community, but the national community that mourns tonight over the untimely death of 87-year young Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, it hasn't even been 24 hours since the news started breaking all over the nation, and already we can't believe it. This is a woman who overcame so much and by all accounts was working from her hospital room and seemed to be overcoming her latest bout with cancer, but ultimately succumbed yesterday. Now, she leaves, ironically, because she is a tiny little, she was a tiny little thing, weighed about 100 pounds, but she is leaving some big shoes to fill. And we're going to be talking about that in just a minute, but just a couple of details. Apparently, she passed away, thankfully, peacefully at her house in Washington, surrounded by family, so surrounded by loved ones. Uh, The Supreme Court actually released a statement regarding the cause of her death, stating it was complications from her latest bout of cancer of the pancreas. She had battled it for years. So she served on the Supreme Court for 37 years. This is an amazing achievement just in and of itself. She was nominated, remember, way back in the day by then President Bill Clinton. She was only one of four women appointed as a justice and has been a hero for women's rights ever since. She was sworn into office in 1993. So again, she is an iconic liberal figure. The question now, given that she does leave those big shoes to fill, is how quickly do we fill them? Now, I had the pleasure of being sworn into the U.S. Supreme Court while she was on the bench, and as luck would have it, I sat almost directly in front of her and got to make eye contact with her the entire time as she peered over the bench in those classic oversized glasses. But then after that, had the opportunity to meet her on a more personal level because of the various organizations I belong to. And the fact that she was always so accessible and always so willing to sit on a panel or come and accept an award or even come and speak to us. Many of our events happened in Washington, D.C., so it was easier for her. But she always said yes. She was so accessible and so kind and so nice. And that is why she's going to be remembered by somebody who is both bold and beloved as a pop culture icon who was both reserved and also a rock star in terms of what she did for women and for the women's movement. But having said all of that, in terms of her life and legacy, she really reached across the aisle. And that has been talked about almost nonstop in the last 24 hours by the son, for example, of the late Justice Scalia in terms of the friendship that their families had. They spent New Year's Eve together. You have to be pretty good friends with someone to be able to spend New Year's Eve with them year after year. And it was that friendship 
that really characterized the approach she took to her job. She was certainly all in in terms of a work ethic, but she was also all in in terms of her personal relationships and how important they were to her, regardless of ideological or political differences. One of the things that that really, uh, one of the places I should say that really showed up was in her fiery dissents. She had the uncanny ability to be disagreeing with you, but not disagreeable. That's why she had so many friends everywhere she went. So she was a trailblazer. She was an inspiration. She was a liberal icon with a cult following. But one of the things that we're going to talk about, Larry, now is whether or not her vacancy, the vacant seat that she left, is something that we are going to be filling right away. Larry, what is the latest plans on that? Right. It's really interesting, Wendy. According to U.S. Constitution Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2, it grants plenary or complete power to the President of the United States to nominate and with the advice and consent, that's confirmation, of the United States Senate, appoint justices to the Supreme Court. And those justices, as we all know, have a life tenure. So it's a real important position. But I just wanted to read you just briefly. These are the headlines of a favorite um, a news gathering site that I go to. And they're all related to this. The first one, President Trump says SCOTUS, that's a Supreme Court nominee announcement, could come next week. And it will likely be a woman. We're, if we have time, we'll talk about that later. And uh, I might as well give the name out. It's Amy Connie Barrett. And she emerges as the front runner. Of course, this is just kind of guesswork. We're just kind of like trying to decipher what this is, if uh, President Trump will nominate her. Well, we say it's guesswork, but Larry, remember, her name was uh, bandied about in the last round it of was. the Supreme Court nominees. It so she's, she's certainly not a newcomer, but go ahead. Yeah, and Obama in 2016, yeah. he said there's no, um, there's no unwritten law that filling vacant SCOTUS seats can only be done on off years, meaning it could be done on a election year. Here's another headline. The left threatens violence, rioting if SCOTUS vacancy is filled before the election. So that's kind of a, a worrisome article, actually. Susan Collins, who's a rather liberal Republican, said that she will not vote on filling that vacancy before the election. So even within the Republican Party, we're going to have some friction there. Well, Larry, here's something to point out when you mentioned Susan Collin and no doubt other Republicans who definitely are not sure things and certainly may not even vote for the president's nomination. He uh, said today when he gave his speech, uh, he basically said he has somebody in mind and it's going to be a popular choice. What I hope he meant is a confirmable choice. Yes. Because I don't think any name he put forward would be a popular choice because that would assume everybody's going to vote for him. Larry, you know, you're so good in history. Remember back in the day, when Supreme Court justice nominees were confirmed unanimously, we are so far removed from the days in which we could actually put forth a prospective jurist to the highest court and have people simply look at their record, look at who they are, look at their judicial temperament, look at some of the other things that are important. I understand ideology is important as well and conservative versus liberal, liberal that's also important. Right. And if you can impeach a president in an election year, certainly a duly elected president should be able to nominate a Supreme Court justice in an election year. But here's a question. In terms of electability and confirmability, do you think that the president is, in fact, going to select a nominee closer to the center 
to maybe try to rein in some of these, we'll call them rogue Republicans who aren't necessarily going to vote party line because honestly, they have different political ideology. Right. It's hard to determine that. I think he, he will just stick to the list that he's already chosen. What's interesting, Wendy, that uh, uh, Biden has not put out but the any list, list he's already chosen. The list he's already chosen does include people that are closer to the center and also does include people that are farther on the fringe. Do you think he's going to choose somebody closer to the center in order to uh, gain the favor of some of these Republicans that, I mean, good people, but just have different ideas about who they want to see on the Supreme Court bench. Uh, my personal opinion is because I, he's a very strong uh, right to life type president that it will not. I think it's going to be Amy uh, Connie Barrett, actually. Uh, she's a strong Catholic, but she said they, she will not allow that to influence her views. And she's right now sitting on the uh, court of appeals on the seventh circuit. And she's her, um, her opinions are unassailable. They're, they're very uh, well-written and so forth. So I think, that, and I also look at uh, Chief Justice Roberts. What a disappointment he has been to the conservatives, not to the other. He often sides with the liberal uh, side of the court. And yeah, so, he's consistently tacked to the left. Hey, yes. who's Joe Biden going to nominate if he wins? Well, I've heard this. I've heard that he's caught in a difficult position. If he names somebody that's really to the left, uh, that's going to, upset the conservative base if he names somebody that's a centrist or to the right, a little bit to the right from a democratic perspective of being to the right that will upset the left uh, people like i would put in that category aoc and uh, some oh, of those no. others so he's oh, no. he's caught in a little bit of a difficult position right now and here this is so key i think what is really people are thinking about is roe v wade is this going to be right. overturned? And that's why the Democrats are going to fight so hard to not allow it happen. And then the other thing, this election, this all mail-in ballot election, how's that going to work out? Because we, this Supreme Court is going to have to maybe decide how the outcome of that election, if there's right. a controversy. And you know, one of the things that I think will also characterize this um, upcoming selection, because definitely he's moving forward. He's been very clear about that. Um, and it is also true that we do appreciate, understand, and respect the, the wishes of Justice Ginsburg that everybody wait. But as, the, as others in the Republican Party have pointed out, that is a seat that doesn't belong to anybody, but rather belongs to the people that are going to be confirming a replacement. Her legacy will always live on, though. And I, I have to say, she's an amaz she was an amazing, remarkable woman. I can't almost believe we've lost her. That's why I keep messing up the, the describing her. She was just such an inspiration to so many of us, regardless of our political ideology. So uh, we hope you will stay with us for Live with Dr. Wendy. We could do a whole hour and a half on just Justice Ginsburg, but we are going to move on to a very special guest in just a minute. So please stay with us. You are listening to Live with Dr. Wendy back in a flash. cycle lowlights have no place here you're listening to headline highlights live with dr wendy on the answer san diego it's time for more news you can use the headlines streamline it's time for more live with dr wendy now here's your host dr wendy patrick 
Welcome back. You are listening to Live with Dr. Wendy. We move now in the second half from jurisprudence to journalism, as in best-selling authors. And we have plenty of best-selling authors to talk about, but one in particular who is known as the president's favorite. How would you like to have that designation? You're probably thinking, what in the world does he write about? Well, as I understand it, we have him on the line to explain that to you. Go ahead, Larry. Who do we have? Yes, Wendy. Today, I'd like to introduce to you and our listening audience, Nick Adams. Nick Adams is a uh, presidential appointee in the Trump administration. Nick has written four best-selling books and is President Trump's favorite author. He's also a motivational speaker, a television commentator, business innovator, and he's actually a stage four cancer survivor. Uh, it's amazing uh, background. He's inspired tens of thousands of K through 12 students and motivated hundreds of thousands about the greatness of the American opportunity. So welcome to the show, Nick. Hello, Larry. Hello, Dr. Wendy. It's a pleasure, honor, and delight to be with you. Nick, just listening to your biography, I would love to hear you for the next two hours, but I think we'll start with the uh, probably one of the things you're probably cited for the most. You're touted as the president's favorite author. That is such an accomplishment. How do you explain that? Thank you. Look, uh, some things in this world can't be explained, Dr. Webby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not to say that I am uh, not beyond delighted and honored, but uh, look, about three and a half years ago, just four weeks into his presidency, the president took to Twitter and praised uh, one of my books, Green Card Warrior, and declared it a must-read, and he said that uh, I was a great American. And it was the first time, in fact, that any sitting president had ever endorsed a book. And then six months later, he did it again with a previous book called Retaking America that I had written. And the reports were that he was photographed boarding the green one on his way to Camp David in August of 2017 with Retaking America under his arm. And then, of course, my most recent book, Trump and Churchill, Defenders of Western Civilization, with a foreword by former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Well, I think it's fair to say that he enjoyed that, guys. He <laughs> tweeted about it no less than seven, seven times, and uh, which has prompted many in the media to very generously referred to me as the president's favorite author, but I'll take it. You know, they, they said that it was just Oprah Winfrey that had that book club. Remember that? I think the yeah. President Trump's book club is actually a little more influential. And that sounds good. Hey, Nick, you've appeared on virtually every major television and radio program, and you run the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness, which is the, the initials flag. That's abbreviation for for that organization. It's a nonprofit organization that teaches civics and informs parents and students on the power of the American dream. Tell us more about that great work you're doing with FLAG. Larry, FLAG is a 501c3 educational nonprofit with two very simple objectives. Number one, teach civics, and number two, promote the American dream in K-12 education. And we do it three ways. Number one, through classroom visits, Number two, for the creation and distribution of kid-friendly resources relating to the founding documents. And number three, through professional development training for teachers, where we teach teachers how to teach civics the way that it was taught to Larry and Dr. Wendy, (laughs) because unfortunately (laughs) it's just not being taught anymore. So uh, we're a very uh, rapidly expanding organization. 
Uh, we created the world's first Students' Constitution, Declaration of Independence, Federalist Papers, Citizen's Guide to the Electoral College. So we've created resources in plain, simple, easy to understand English that even a fifth grader can comprehend because we are alarmed at the lack of awareness of today's young Americans of the founding documents, the founding values of this country. And the fact is, guys, that we really haven't in the last few decades passed on what it means to be an American. We haven't taught Americanism. And I think that that's why we're seeing what we're seeing on the streets right now, where we have all of these privileged white children uh, marching on behalf of Black Lives Matter, totally ignorant that the day that they were born here is the day that they won the lottery of life. Yes. And you know, Nick, is- one of the one of the things that I think you're you're bringing out, um, because I know that many of our listeners are probably thinking, what in the world does this man write about that has caught the president's eye? It seems like uh, the president of the United States, much more than any other pop icon figure, whether it's Oprah Winfrey or whether it's other famous authors, he really does hold the attention of, of not only young people, but many people, not just those that elected him into office, but people that will listen to something he has to say and then decide whether or not they agree with it. But given that that influence, that power, the proclivity he has to use Twitter, thank God you were using Twitter too, because that's one of the places where I think that he gets some of his ideas. Uh, what do you suppose it is? I know you've written several books now and he appears to have bought them all and is reading them on Air Force One. What do you suppose it is in the way you write, the topics you write about, what is it that you're doing that is just so catchy that it would catch the attention of somebody that by all means is so busy, sometimes he'd make the joke he doesn't have to read the press briefings that are put in front of him, but he's got your book under his arm. Yeah, look, Dr. Wendy, I think that uh, a lot of it's got to do with personality. I mean, I I read The Other Deal when I was 12 or 13 years old, and I read, my dad made me read Winston Churchill speeches when I was eight. <laughs> and I mean, I, I didn't just read books. I used to eat them. Now, unfortunately, I don't have much time anymore to, to read books. But, you know, and, and I had this thing that, I mean, I believe in living life to the fullest. I believe in taking risks. I believe in being bold. I believe in coloring outside of the lines. I believe in blazing a trail, leaving a legacy, proving people wrong. And all of those things really are what Donald Trump is all about. And... So I I think, you know, when I look at things like political correctness, I don't just see it as an imposition on speech. I don't just see it as something telling us what we can say and what we can't say. I see it as a personal affront to me achieving my ambitions. I see it as a restriction on the way that I can live my life. I'm being told that, you know, it's better to, to kiss backside rather than kick it. I'm being told that, you know, I, I shouldn't colour outside the lines because I might get punished. Uh, I'm told that I need to conform. And so I think that a lot of the subjects that I write about, the president personally resonates with, because I think much like me, he's a larger than life character who doesn't believe in being stopped, doesn't believe in that there's any virtue in stifling achievement. There's no virtue in that at all. And, uh, and so all of my, my work kind of talks about that stuff. And, and so I think I've kind of found a fellow traveler when it comes to that. Definitely yeah. sounds like you found a kindred spirit. Um, I've got my eye on the clock. Larry, you got something real quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nick. What does America mean to the rest of the world? I noticed that you uh, immigrated from Australia. 
What does America mean to you, to the rest of the world? Look, America to me is is everything. America is a fundamental force of goodness in the world. Without America, uh, the world would not be what it is. It is the safeguard to Western civilization. It's the hope that banishes all hopelessness. It's the shot that was heard around the world and still is. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people around the world that are threatened by America's unrivaled power and wealth and influence. And, of course, it's, it's always hard to be the top dog. A country like America can never expect to be loved. The best it can hope for is to be respected. I think even better would be to be feared. So uh, the world kind of hangs with America. What's good for America is good for the world. When America's strong, the world's strong. When America's weak, the world's a weak and dangerous place. Uh, that's a reality. Not everyone might, might, might agree with that, but I think that if you just have a look at what's happened in history, that's, that's very much the case. Wow. And uh, Churchill and Reagan do have, do have similarities, and I know in your book, um, I, I heard a YouTube of you talking wow. about that. What are some of the similarities between Churchill and Trump? In about uh, 20 look, seconds. <laughs> no problem. Both are bold, both were risk-takers, both loved their country, both endured battles with the political establishment, both didn't really care what other people thought, the media hated them, they did what was right, they believed in themselves, and they saved their countries. Fantastic. You know, I wish that we had time for another question. We don't, but what I would love to ask you maybe another time is what you thought about reading Winston Churchill when you were eight years old. (laughs) (laughs) And I also want to know how you managed to eat a book, but let's keep that for the next time. Uh, Real quick, Nick, where can our listeners find out more about you? NickAdamsUSA.com. That's NickAdamsUSA.com. You can get signed copies of all my books there. You can get the resources that Flag produces. It's a one-stop shop. NickAdamsUSA.com. Yeah, thank you so much. And are are you still located in Australia? No, no, I'm an American. I okay. Live in you know, it's funny because I was going to also make the joke that you can't eat virtual books and we all are appearing and doing business virtually. So it's amazing how many of us are literally all over the world, but joining into newscasts like this. So thank you so much, Nick, for joining us. And thank you to the rest of you for joining us for another edition of Live with Dr. Wendy. Um, Again, our hearts go out as we mourn the passing of a great woman. Um, But we promise that as we're going to have a silver lining, we will celebrate the wonderful life that she had. And we look forward to seeing all of you next week. You are listening to Live with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Live with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.